Welcome everyone to Celtic Preacher Podcast 36. And today I'm going to be looking at the subject of ways to get in spiritual shape. And by spiritual, I am of course meaning emotional shape, psychological, physical, spiritual. I mean, we can't really split up all of these areas, right? So I want to be looking at ways to get in spiritual shape. And this was a talk that I gave, Celtic Preacher gave her flock this uh, teaching on Ash Wednesday night, which was last week on Wednesday night. And let me tell you a little bit about uh, Lent for those of you who are not familiar with it. Maybe, by the way, Lent is 40 days from now on, 40 days to Easter. Doesn't include the Sundays. And this is how it came about. About maybe 300 years after Jesus walked on the earth, the young church would baptize the new believers at Easter time. Now, the baptism was this initiation rite that would identify one as a follower of Jesus' way. So the young church would baptize the new believers at Easter time, and they would take, the converts would take, this 40-day period of time as a spiritual preparation before their baptism, kind of like spiritual training. And the church, the congregation, would also join in this spiritual preparation time with them. Now, I think, and we've all experienced this, one of the things that it's hard to do is is to stay on track in, in our lives, whether it's spiritually, emotionally, physically. It's easy for us to get distracted, And so very early on, the young believers, the young church, two or three hundred years into the whole movement of the way of Jesus, they realized that, boy, it's hard to stay on track. We we can so easily get distracted, especially when Christianity became the law of the land in the 300s, and there wasn't as much persecution. Then they really got lazier. So they decided to, let's take, let's set aside this period, 40 days before Easter, and let's use it as a time where we can get in spiritual shape. So Lent has become a tradition. It's really an opportunity to either empty yourself of something that isn't serving you well, or it's a time to step back and rethink how we live There could be certain habits or behaviors or attitudes that we would be better off cleaning out of our lives, right? When we take time to assess our spiritual lives, where we pause and reflect, we might become aware of various hindrances, you know? Is there something I'd be better off without? And some of us might say, yes, actually there is. I think I need to stop worrying about this particular person or this particular problem because I'm, I'm getting worn out. Or some of us might think, yeah, I need to empty myself of this anger because this is not serving me well. I'm, I'm, carrying, I'm carrying this. It's not serving me well. Or this g- grief or this need to control or 
this need to defend myself, whatever it would be, Lent is an opportunity to target an area, particularly this this 40-day time frame. Kind of dedicate it to God. Here I am. Usually it always starts on Ash Wednesday. Here I am, God. This bothers me. This is what I need help with. Now, what's interesting is, is that we do have a few spiritual practices, a few exercises that can actually strengthen our spiritual lives, according to the wisdom of Jesus. This is Matthew Matthew's chapter 6 we're looking at tonight. Jesus teaches, he lists three practices, three ways to strengthen our lives. Now, the first two practices are well known to us and we're familiar with them. The third practice, possibly not so much. But here in Matthew 6, Jesus teaches three things that can benefit us. So I'm talking about strengthening us, making us stronger in every way, psychologically, uh, spiritually, emotionally, every way. And the first thing he said, he talks about, Jesus talks about prayer, verse 5. This isn't going to be so surprising to us. Jesus is saying one of the things that can strengthen you is prayer. Honest, real, heartfelt prayer. Being honest before God. Verse 5, Matthew 6. I'm going to read the message translation to you. By the way, if you've picked up a New Testament recently and you can't make any sense of it, and it discourages you, then try the message translation. Try it and see what you think. Here's the translation. Verse 6, talking about prayer. Here's what you do. Find a quiet, secluded place so that you won't be tempted to role play before God. Just be there as simply and honestly as you can manage. And your focus will shift from you to God. And you will begin to make sense of God's grace. Now, all good spiritual practices shift focus. We want to find ways to shift our focus off ourselves and our troubles and our burdens and on to God. Take time to pray, Jesus is saying. Take time to pour out your concerns to God, not because God doesn't already know them all. God doesn't need to be told anything. But it's more as a reminder to us who we are looking to for help so that we don't carry the burdens of this life alone because there's simply too much to bear. They are too much to bear. So helpful prayer doesn't just list all that is a concern to us. Helpful prayer, and there's nothing wrong with having your list and and, and speaking out your list. But after a point, you can drop the list. God already knows what you need. 
and start to focus on who God is. God, what do you want to teach me while I look to you during this time? You know my worries. You know my concerns. Show me your way. In fact, sometimes I ask myself, before I start to pray, sometimes I ask myself, okay, how long are you going to mull over this, whatever it is that's worrying me or bothering me? How long are you going to mull over this? How much time will you give this? Because after a point, thinking about things is not helpful. Mulling over things is not helpful. It keeps the focus on me. Whereas prayer, being honest before God, in prayer, you start to remember that God is with you, that God is faithful, that God is enough, that God will show the way. And so your, your focus begins to shift away from the dilemmas, away from the problems, and onto the faithfulness of God. So all good spiritual practices shift your focus, whether the, the prayer is, is spoken out loud, whether it's a list, whether it's a silent meditation, it makes no difference. It has The spiritual practice has to shift your focus. So that's one of the things that Jesus says. This is helpful. This, in the long run, this is going to help you. This is going to strengthen you. Prayer. Prayer. The second thing he says that is helpful is, verse 2, Matthew 6, generosity. Interesting, eh? Generosity. This is the wisdom of Jesus. Generosity strengthens us. Generosity strengthens us. Now, why? Well, maybe because we're, we stop thinking about ourselves and how everything is about me and how I feel and how it's affecting me and how life is treating me. Because when we step away from that small world... And when we expand and I move into action, that's a powerful thing, right? That's powerful. We all know how encouraging it is to be on the receiving end of someone's generosity. Well, that's life-giving, to be on the receiving end of someone's generosity. Jesus says, this is a good thing. And, and, and by the way, Jesus says, don't be showy about it either. It's between you and God. Nobody else needs to know. It's between you and God. Generosity strengthens us. And again, like any good spiritual practice, it takes the focus off ourselves. Could be, now when I'm speaking of generosity, it, it needn't be money. It certainly can be money. Could be the gift of your time. That's invaluable. That is invaluable to give someone the gift of your time. Or the gift of listening. What a precious thing to have someone actually sit down and pay attention and listen. That can be so healing, can't it? Or the, it could be the gift of practical help. That speaks volumes. And again, yeah, it can certainly be material help. That's very encouraging. Not only do we help the other, but done in the right spirit, without any ulterior motives, Jesus teaches it is a strength to us. It enlarges us spiritually, emotionally. It brings us, psychologically, it brings us 
well-being. So there's two things he says in Matthew 6 that bring us strength. And here's the third one, and this is a fascinating one. The third spiritual practice Jesus speaks about is fasting. Now, fasting we may not be quite so familiar with. But fasting of various kinds is actually back in vogue. (laughs) I mean, walk down the aisle of Whole Food and you'll see countless ways to fast and cleanse and detox, right? There's the new word for it, detoxing. It's commercially lucrative nowadays. But seriously, people have fasted for thousands and thousands of years. Uh, this, this is all faith traditions. Jewish people fast, Muslims fast, Buddhists fast, Hindus fast. It's worth noting, and this has always been fascinating to me, that this is verse 16. Jesus does not say, I recommend that you fast because it's going to strengthen your spiritual life. What he does say is, when you fast. That's what he says. When you fast. It's almost like, well, of course, he's assuming that we would be. He's assuming that we would be. It was a common practice in his day. I mean, it was unthinkable that one would not fast. It's almost like, why would you not? This is so helpful. This is so good. This is so, so such a helpful thing. Why would you not? So he doesn't even say, I think you should fast, or why don't you take up fasting, or why don't you consider this? He says, when you fast, don't make a big show. It's between you and God. Don't make a big show. So how can fasting possibly help us? Well, one of the reasons is, I think this one's really obvious, what we, what we eat affects our whole person. What we eat not only affects our body, it affects our emotions, it affects how we think. If I had gone to Five Guys Burger before I gave this talk and had my cheeseburger, large fries, and a chocolate malt ice cream, All that food, that fat, would affect this presentation. And I mean affect it negatively. Because it's like when you're that full, you know what happens? You get tired. It's like, "Ah, I don't really want to do this. I'm tired. I want to take a nap. I learned this the hard way years ago during an evening service. I ate too much before the service. And I stood up and I was starting to give my teaching. And it was like, I don't really want to do this. I want to go home. I'm tired. Food affects us. Food can dull us spiritually, dull our perception. I mean, you know, athletes know all this. Athletes pay attention to the fuel. Nobody runs a marathon after four slices of pepperoni pizza, right? Fasting pays close attention to the fuel, whether we refrain from all foods or certain foods, Fasting puts us in a position of being thoughtful about something we do often without thinking, which is eating, right? We often don't consider it, think about it. We just do it automatically. And not only does fasting affect us physically, 
But, and this is a strange thing, what happens is, if you fast, it emotionally opens you up. It spiritually opens you up. I don't know why. There's probably reasons for this. But all sorts of things that need attention bubble to the surface when we fast. You have a broken relationship in your life and you fast, it's going to come to your mind. You have resentment in your life and you fast, it's going to come to your mind. If you are worried about something, it's going to come to your mind. Now, I say this not to discourage you because the ideas is coming to your mind because God wants to help us to, to free us from all of this. So Jesus says, when you fast, don't be showy about it. Nobody needs to know. Just go ahead. God's with you. It's between you and God. And when you give up anything, whatever it would be, we're exercising discipline. And without discipline, we really won't go far in our lives. I mean, you'll get no place in life, in your spiritual life without discipline. It takes great discipline to learn how to forgive. It takes great discipline to not be constantly criticizing everyone around you, even if you're doing it internally, right? Or, you, or even if you're criticizing yourself. That takes a lot of discipline to stop that unhelpful practice. To stop any bad habit takes a lot of discipline. To let go of guilt. To overcome fear. These things are not easy. But just practicing, saying no to something for over 40 days, it empowers us. It empowers us. You know, maybe it doesn't seem like a big deal you know, for example, I don't know, what would it be? Refrain from sugar for 40 days. What, it doesn't matter what it is. You might think, well, what difference does it make in the scheme of things? What's so great about that, you know? What's so great about that if I, you know, cut my calories in half or whatever you decide to do? But what if practicing saying no for 40 days helps us for bigger, greater tasks in the future. What if saying no is like a spiritual training of sorts? What if it strengthens us in hidden ways that we don't even necessarily see? Could that be why Jesus assumes that we fast? Lent, yeah, Lent. Comes from the Anglo-Saxon word for springtime. Lent, it can be a springtime for the soul. 40 days before Easter. What would be helpful to either begin or refrain from that would renew my soul? What would bring me new life? What would bring me new life? What would bring me refreshment? What would bring me renewal? That's what Lent's all about, refreshment. It's like, yes, God, that's what we need. We need it. Like spring rains fall, and refresh the earth. Let your presence fall on us and surround us for these next 40 days. Well, thank you for joining me. You've been listening to Celtic Preacher. Join with me again next week for another episode. <laughs>